This is the Hot Fish series from the University of Sterling. Hello, and welcome to the Hot Fish podcast. Today, I'm talking to Samal Zakaris, who's a postgraduate researcher here at the University of Stirling, who's just completed a PhD in shrimp welfare, working in Honduras and in Thailand. But he comes from a background of commercial shrimp farming, and we're going to ask him today to think about what he's learned from his research recently, but also more broadly about the environmental impacts of shrimp and climate change. So hi, Samal. Um, I'd just like to start off by saying, could you give us a little bit of an idea what ice stalk ablation is and why why you were researching it? What is it and what does it do? Hello, Prof. Dave. Hello, everyone who are listening to us. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, ice stalk ablation is a technique which has been used by shrimpy hatcheries to induce uh, rapid maturation and egg production. Uh, in a commercial condition. So um, the technique itself involves cutting the shrimpy eye, one of the shrimpy eye. Uh, uh, when you do that, you reduce the amount of uh, hormones which inhibit uh, reproduction of shrimpy under uh, farming condition. So although the technique uh, is good uh, to induce a rapid maturation and uh, uh, egg production, uh, from a welfare perspective, uh, the technique is not really good. So um, the consumers, retailers, and uh, uh, with recent concern on the animal welfare issue in a different uh, animal farming sector, uh, the shrimp industry has been uh, pushed to find a way to uh, replace stock ablation. So uh, during my PhD, I I worked on uh, ways to try to replace or to stop stock ablation and also see the impact of what will happen if you stop stock ablation, what will happen uh, with the, the performance itself of the broodstock and also how that will affect on the shrimp babies or the shrimp offspring from uh, the early stage to co- commercial edible uh, size. So basically you found that cutting off the eye stalk of the breeding shrimp isn't really necessary at all. In fact, if you don't do it, you may actually get better disease resistance in the larvae stocked by farmers. Is that right? Oh yes, indeed. Uh, The two key main findings of my research uh, was exactly to demonstrate that uh, first, uh, we don't really need to use the stock ablation anymore because it was possible to uh, produce uh, eggs without requiring stock ablation and this uh, could work with uh, better improvement in the uh, breeding practice which involves preparing very well your broodstock from uh, the early stage of the broodstock selection program uh, where you start feeding the broodstock with high quality feed and also sometime, uh, depending on the strain you have, you may require to increase the number of uh, female in your breeding tank. So if you, when you do that, you, uh, you, you won't need to uh, use the ice stock ablation anymore. So uh, 
the Latin American uh, hatchery, most Latin American hatchery, uh, they are all moving to non-ablation uh, right now. And the second finding, which is uh, the one of the most important finding uh, in my research, was to demonstrate that if you stop aesthetic ablation, what will happen? Uh, you will have a better offspring. Um, the offspring of the um, female without aesthetic ablation, they have higher resistance to uh, disease, whether bacterial or virus disease. So this demonstrates clearly uh, the main uh, advantage of stopping aesthetic ablation. But it's your background as a commercial shrimp farmer on top of the research you've just been engaged in somehow that I'd, I'd like to, to, to ask you about now, particularly the, the criticisms of the environmental damage that shrimp farming does around the world. Yeah, uh, the environmental damage associated to shrimp farming has been one of the major issues in the shrimp industry in the past three, four decades. Although the old shrimp industry gets the blame, it's important to highlight that uh, the shrimp industry is adapted very quickly to overcome this issue and it involves to upgrade the farming system from extensive to same intensive intensive and super intensive system so this intensive system they use less land uh, which means that they convert less uh, mangroves to uh, uh, set up um, shrimp farming and at the same time uh, this system they use a uh, low uh, amount of water reducing the level of water used in other system um, in addition, uh, the shrimp farmers they adopted this annual mangrove forestation program, which contributed to preservation of the mangrove ecosystem. This program is part of the many requirement for the certification uh, process. So, of course, shrimp in general gets the blame, but is all shrimp farmed in the same way? Yeah, indeed, the whole industry uh, gets the blame. But it's important to let people know that there is a huge range of intensity of production uh, from super intensive, where shrimp are stocked at high density and receive all the nutrition from formulated diets, to system where low density of shrimp are pretty much unfed and grow on a natural feed. So some of the assessments of the greenhouse gas emissions from shrimp farming that we see everywhere really they're based on mangrove clearance and extensive systems is that right yeah that's right the assessment of greenhouse gas emission with shrimp farming is usually associated with mangrove clearance and the extensive system so this extensive system they usually stock shrimp at a low density and to have the for production they require, they would need to use ponds with large areas, so the uh, the farmers end up clearing more mangroves to in order to to build this large pond to accommodate those systems. So, what are the major sources of greenhouse gas emissions from shrimp farming somehow? 
Well, the main factor contributing to greenhouse gas emission in shrimp farming is the feed. Why so? The feed in part it relies on land conversion for its production. In addition, we also have this uh, extensive system which also rely on land clearance which involve some mangrove clearance to convert into uh, shrimp ponds. So this will also contribute to greenhouse gas emission. On the other side, we have this intensive system uh, which use a lot of energy to power the aeration system. So depending on the energy source, it may contribute also to greenhouse emission. So it's the feed and the power mainly in these intensively managed high input, high output shrimp systems from where most of these emissions derive, correct? Yes, that's correct. Uh, in the intensive system, the feed and the power, they are the main source of greenhouse gas emission. But when we compare between the two sources, feed is the main one, as uh, there is a lot of input of feed to feed a high density shrimp and uh, also as uh, I mentioned before the feed also account has big factor here as it also rely on land conversion which is also accounted when doing this emission calculation. Yeah and the power uh, it depends uh, on the source of the energy so there's really quite a range of extensive systems producing shrimp, uh, particularly around Asia then, Simone. Yeah, indeed. There is a huge range of extensive systems being used whether in uh, Asia or in Latin America. In general, you would have uh, more intensive, super intensive system being used in Asian countries when you compare to Latin America. Uh, where uh, extensive and semi-intensive systems are more abundant, although they have some intensive system as well. And how can the sector protect itself then? What, what steps can be put in to mitigate the impacts of climate change? Oh, yeah. The environmental damage caused by the shrimp industry has been one of the main hot spots. So uh, the good news is the industry has always been dynamic, uh, which means that um, when you look at how the industry is today compared to two, three decades ago, uh, we can see that there is a huge uh, significant difference regarding how the uh, industry deal with the environmental issue, whether uh, with the uh, mangrove deforestation or releasing uh, wastewater waste very rich with the nutrients which would cause uh, issues in the uh, water quality of uh, the surrounding ba uh, water bodies. So uh, yeah, um, uh, the challenges are still there but uh, we are continuing working toward to imp uh, more improvement on the uh, farming methods, uh, farming systems, and uh, try to use always the system which uh, cause less uh, environmental damage.
Well, thanks, Samal, for those thoughts on shrimp culture and climate change. It just uh, leaves me to thank everyone for joining and hope to see you next time. This podcast has been produced at the University of Stirling's Institute of Aquaculture with financial assistance from the Belmont Forum on Climate and Health. Thank you for listening.